what fullness espouses about the personal work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, coming out of our conference that we just recently had and different things that are taking place. So for some of you who've been to the dinner at the Brookings recently, that's our new members class. Some of this will be repeat. For those of you who've been a part of fullness for 30 years, this will definitely be um, some repeat. But I think it's, again, it's, it's a great reminder for us to talk about how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. The person and work of the Holy Spirit, because there is a lot of confusion. And you may come out of it with some questions. If you do, just uh, you can scan this QR code and submit some questions about anything about spiritual gifts or uh, what we believe about the person and work of the Holy Spirit and the operation of spiritual gifts, uh, which is a very, very, very important topic. So please get engaged in that. Uh, I'll try and slow down so that I don't just run this over uh, too fast because, again, it, it is, I believe, critical. Uh, we serve a great God, do we not? We serve a God who loves us. We serve a God who, who every good and perfect gift comes from above. That includes spiritual gifts. And so spiritual gifts are given to us not as a punishment, but inherent in the word gift is this positive that this is a good thing. And we talked about it last week, and uh, we talk about gifts all the time. So today's Father's Day. Um, to be a father, you have the gift of a husband, I mean a wife, excuse me, uh, a wife and children. You've been given the gift of children. This morning, I took this picture of um, the dots are my kids today, um, this morning before church. And so they're all over the world. They're all over the place right now. Um, I've heard from all but one of them. I won't let you guess on which one I have not heard from yet. Uh, you can probably figure it out, but um, there's one I haven't heard from, but the rest I've, I've heard from uh, already, and uh, it's a blessing. My kids are a blessing, but at the same time, I, I want to acknowledge that, that as a father, I've come to the realization that unless I give the gift of God and the grace of God to my children any other inheritance I leave will be a curse and not a blessing. And so I have this desire, even to my adult children, and if you're a father of a younger child, to, I want to encourage you that your greatest gift that you can give your kids is the gift of God's grace in your home, the person of Jesus Christ by the power of the Spirit and the love of the Father. And so I want to emphasize um, that message again today. Uh, last week, I talked about gifts, what gifts are, spiritual gifts, what they are and what they aren't. Uh, I'm not going to preach that sermon again, but for those of you who missed it, uh, I just want to remind everyone that a, a spiritual gift is any spiritual ability, endowment, or power that's given to who? Every believer. Every single believer has a gift of the Spirit. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, we believe you have a gift that has been given you by the special grace of the person of the Holy Spirit, whom we're going to talk about more today. Gifts uh, point the world to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. 
They're intended for the service of others. They build up the body of Christ, local and universal, and ultimately gifts glorify God. Here's the one thing about gifts I want you to notice. If you missed it last week, gifts are not given for you to party with you. I mean, they're not, they're not your gift that you just get to hang on to and just relish it. But instead, if you're not off the bench, so to speak, using your spiritual gift for these purposes, then your gift has never really been enacted. Now, I hit this pretty hard last week, and I, I, I want to make sure that uh, you didn't go away feeling guilty uh, if you're sitting on the bench, that was not my goal, was to make you feel guilty. But it was my goal to get you off the bench. Uh, I, I, because fullness is only going to be the body of Christ that it's supposed to be, that God intends for it to be, for what the city needs if every single person, 100% of us, are engaged in our spiritual giftedness, walking it out within the body of Christ. And part of that problem is just the society we live in. Part of that is that somehow in church culture, we've come up with the goal is to come to church and watch. That's what church is. We come to a worship service and we watch. And therefore, we've made our church services the best possible watching services you can make because that will attract the most people. If we're the most attractive from like the stage back then we'll probably attract the most people. But that has nothing to do with New Testament church life. New Testament church is the body of Christ engaged with each other. Everybody doing what they're supposed to be doing, walking in their spiritual gifts. So here's an aspect I also talked about. And again, I'm, I'm actually not preaching last week's uh, sermon, but sort of. Uh, gifts are not singular. There is not one gift of the Spirit. Uh, if you were here last week, I, and again, I'm going to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit this morning, that term, but if you're from Pentecostal tradition, which is fine, we love all Pentecostals, um, Pentecostal tradition, you hear the phrase, uh, have you been baptized with the Spirit with the gift of speaking in tongues? Um, we do, we, from what we can see in the New Testament, there's not a singular gift of the Spirit, Speaking in tongues. I remember when uh, we started Fullness and uh, my good friend, uh, Zine Bagley, um, he wanted me to meet his pastor. And so um, the, the church where Zine went was uh, more Pentecostal in his belief. So I met with Brother Bill, Dr. Yeah, Brother Bill, um, what's Bill's last name? Stamp. Brother Bill Stamp, who came from Pentecostal tradition. And so he asked me at lunch, it, it just sort of surprised me, he asked me at lunch, he said, so you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit? And I'm like, yes, sir. And because I was real young then, and he was probably my age at that point, at that age I am now. Um, and he said, so you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit? And I said, yes, sir. And he said, so you speak in tongues? You know, it really wasn't my theology, and I didn't want to argue with him. So I did one of those answers that I'm known for. I just kind of deflected by saying, doesn't everybody? <laughs> Uh, kind of thing, uh, which sufficed for him, and we moved on. But we don't believe there is like one gift of the Spirit. We believe that everyone has a different gift. Um, talents are not the same as uh, gifts. They're not necessarily offices. There are offices, but there's the difference between the office of prophet and the gift of prophecy. 
So they're not necessarily offices. They're also not ministries. Ministry is kind of the the area that God has given a person to carry out. Uh, It's not the same as fruit. There is a fruit of the Spirit. Fruit is singular. We looked at the differences last week. And it's not the difference, same as roles. So um, I may have the gift of teaching, and the role I'm doing is now preaching, but you could be, have the role of teaching children or in a small group. Your role differs than your gift. It's kind of an area where you might be. So all of that to say, we believe if indeed all of these things are true, what gifts are for and what they're not, that 100% of the congregation should be walking in their giftedness. The whole premise of this series is this. We need to passionately pursue spiritual gifts. It, it, this is, this is um, Paul says, eagerly desire, passionately pursue spiritual gifts. This is not something we need to just kind of lay off of and just shy back from, but instead we need to really go after it. And, and how are we going to do that? Well, we believe that it is, it is through the Holy Spirit these, these gifts are distributed. So this morning, I want to talk a little bit about what we believe about the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And so I'm going to kind of cruise through some things. Let me also say this. You know, we got hundreds of denominations that differ on just what I'm going to talk to you about in the next 30 minutes. Uh, In other words, every single sentence that I'm using and every point that I'm making, there's a different denomination that's going to believe differently than what I'm going to tell you, uh, which, is, which is fine. We're all, I think, still part of the body of Christ. But over 30 years, here's kind of where I've come to on who the Holy Spirit is, how he operates, a healthy way that I can live in this tension of between the times. And again, if you differ than me, that's, that's no problem from my perspective. I, I don't have a problem with that, but I'm just going to give you my, and as a result, fullness's theology of the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I'm going to come back to this again at the end. There's a lot of ways we can discuss how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. There are a lot of phrases. There are a lot of terms. And at the end, I'm going to say this again, but I want to lead with this because here's the most critical part. My issue is not that you use the right word or you use the right term. My issue is this. Are you today walking in the baptism, fullness, anointing, release of the Holy Spirit in your life? That's the question. Whatever term you want to use, are you walking in the power of God available for your life? Ready? Here we go. Here's the Holy Spirit and the Bible. You're like, oh my goodness, we're going to be here all day. He's talking about the, this is just an overview. Um, there are two uh, terms, one in Hebrew, ruach, and in the New Testament, Greek, pneuma, that are used as words about the Spirit. Now, the words also mean breath or wind or spirit, depending on context. Uh, So, for instance, in uh, Romans 1, it says this, the wind, pneuma, 
blows wherever it pleases. As a matter of fact, that reference I don't think is right. Uh, that should be John 3, John 3, 8. But the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So we've got wind and spirit in the same verse, but just a different, a different context. In the Old Testament, the Spirit was, um, is, is more limited in his, how he deals with people. So, for instance, in the Old Testament, the Spirit of the Lord would come upon people for specific tasks, such as Gideon. We can, there are a number of illustrations I could use. But the Spirit of God came upon Gideon as one of the judges to help free the people. So the, the Spirit of God wouldn't come upon a person. The, the Spirit of God would also come upon people for prophetic words or visions, such as Daniel or Ezekiel or Abraham. Uh, you see this, the Spirit of the Lord comes upon Daniel or comes on Ezekiel or comes on Abraham uh, to proclaim uh, a word or to have a vision from God. The Spirit of God would also leave people because of disappointment. If you look at uh, Saul, for instance, the first king, talked about the Spirit of the Lord coming on Saul when God, he prophesies the, the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him to lead and be the first king. But in the disobedience, it also talks about the Spirit of God leaving Saul. Um, the Spirit is ultimately promised to the Messiah. So, it, it, for instance, in Isaiah 61.1, it talks a, the, a prophetic word about this Messiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has, proclaimed, he has uh, anointed me to do certain things. So the Spirit of the Lord is promised to the Messiah. Something interesting about um, the Old Testament passages, only twice in the Old Testament is the Spirit called holy. In other words, uh, only if, that I can find, there are only two places, one in Isaiah 63, one in Psalm 51, uh, where it says, uh, David prays, do not let your Holy Spirit depart from me. Don't let your Holy Spirit. But otherwise, the Spirit is just called the Spirit, not the, the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit of God, here's the point. In the Old Testament, he's there, he's prominent, but also his role seems to be more limited. He's not poured out on all people, even all the people of God. He's on specific people for specific purposes and specific plans. Now in the New Testament, of course, then we've got Jesus. And we see that Jesus, um, he comes up, he comes up, upon uh, Jesus even in the womb and Jesus is led by the spirit he uh, at his baptism the spirit of God comes upon him um, all throughout Jesus ministry we have Jesus in conjunction with the person and work of the Holy Spirit doing what Jesus does and again I think this is a model for us that we do what we do led by the Spirit. If, if Jesus, who is God in human flesh, did what he did based on the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, how much more do we need the power and presence of the Spirit of God to lead and guide and direct our lives? Then after Jesus, after the day of Pentecost, um, the, the Spirit of God then comes upon believers. I mean, think about it. 
how does Jesus say to his followers, hey, it's good if I go, because if I go, you're going to do greater things than me. Uh, how are we supposed to be doing greater things? Well, it's greater in quantity um, because now we all have the power and presence of the Spirit of God. Uh, in faith, at some point, I, I want to believe it's greater in quality, but I don't know, but I haven't seen it. Honestly, I haven't seen a greater quality than what Jesus is doing. But it's definitely greater in quantity if all of us, empowered by the Spirit of God, are walking in our spiritual gifts and are the body of Christ dispersed throughout the entire world. We should be doing what Jesus did while he was here. Tons of passages that talk about the body of Christ being empowered by, by the Spirit. Now, here's um, where, where things start to get interesting, and it's this. The Holy Spirit in us, the Holy Spirit in the individual, in you and me. I don't know about you, but when I was a little kid, um, at times, and it was funny because uh, Shiro used to say this too when she was here, the whole idea of Jesus living in my heart was totally confusing. You know, the idea of, Jesus, where, where is Jesus in my heart? And where is Jesus in my body? But then when you look at the Bible, there's this whole aspect of Christ in you, the hope of glory. My, my father, Jesus says, and I will come and make our home in, in you. There's this aspect of the father and Jesus in us and the spirit of God in us. So from a New Testament, who's in me? Is it the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Trinity? Yeah. But it seems to be that the person and work of the Holy Spirit is the one who indwells me and empowers me and leads me. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is in my heart. Now, where, when do I receive the Holy Spirit has become the question that many churches try to answer. When do I get the Holy Spirit? Well... Uh, here are the different views at conversion, that when I come to know Jesus Christ is the one who rules my life and forgives my sins, then the Holy Spirit comes into my life. Um, others believe that it's at baptism, just like Jesus was the model that the Holy Spirit came upon him at baptism, so did uh, you, do you receive. That's why baptism is such an important sacrament, is because you, that's when you receive um, the Holy Spirit. And a lot of churches uh, believe in a two-stage initiation, like baptism's conversion, or if you're Catholic, that would be baptism and confirmation. Uh, if you're uh, Pentecostal, you would believe conversion and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, a two-stage initiation. Uh, a lot of people call this the doctrine of subsequence. It's a subsequent experience in the Lord when you receive the Holy Spirit. You may be saying, well, what do we believe? I'll get there, but we believe, I believe, that you receive the Holy Spirit when you come to know Jesus Christ as the one who leads your life and forgives your sins. That the Spirit of God, now here's the, here's the tricky part. And I say this a lot. Most of us have no idea who or what we received when we get saved. Uh, we, we receive forgiveness. 
We know that. We, we acknowledge the lordship of Jesus Christ. But it's like a gift given that you have no idea what you've, what you've got in your life. Who you've received. And so that we go through a lot of our lives not knowing. Just living out our, our, our experience. So here's my story, just briefly. I, I was born and raised in a Baptist home, the son of a Baptist minister. Uh, I gave my life to the Lord when I was seven. I uh, had another subsequent, but not Holy Spirit, but another really moment when I was like 14 where I really realized the Lordship of Jesus and uh, rededicated my life to him, so to speak. And then I, I really diligently tried to live the Christian life as best I could. Um, by that, I mean by Baptist standards. <laughs> I tried to live my life as best I could. Uh, I went to church. Uh, I didn't drink. Uh, I didn't have premarital sex. I didn't dance. I didn't do the things that, you know, you're not, you're not supposed to do in Baptist life. Uh, I went to a Baptist college. I went to a Baptist seminary. I'm in my mid-20s trying my best living um, the, I was on staff at a church. I, I'm doing everything I was ever told to do to be a good Christian. And I reached a point in my life where I realized I was totally miserable in my Christian experience. That I was doing everything that I was supposed to do, but I was really unhappy. I was like, there's got to be more than a Christian life than this. I, I see in the Bible these passages that talk about this joyful, abundant Christian life, and that's not me. And I'm like, how can I be doing everything everybody ever told me to do in church life and be at this point of just stagnation, uh, unhappiness, a, a, a realization that I can't hear from God, uh, all of those things. So I launched out in a journey to try and discover what it was I was missing in my Christian life. What, what is it that there's got to be some gap here, right? I mean, if you're doing all the things, you know you're saved, you know you've given your heart to Jesus, what is it that you're missing in the Christian life? So I launched out on this experience to try and find God, really. What am I doing? And I, I tell this story a lot, I have over the years, but I was in... A seminary. I mean, that's where, you know, uh, people who are giving their lives to the service of God have gone. And I was like, God, if I don't meet you here in the last couple of years, I'm going to go do something different. I'm going to go find another job. I'm not going to be in church. I'm not going to be in this realm. Uh, because if I'm going to be miserable, I'm going to be miserable with money rather than miserable without money. Because I knew there was no money, so to speak. At least the way I was raised to do church. There was no money in this part of it. So I'm like, I'm going to go find a career where I can make some cash. I'm never going to abandon you, God. I'll always love Jesus. Um, that, th but if you understand my 20-something-year-old mind at work. And what happened was, over the next couple of years, God brought some people across my path who could share with me the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Now, raised Baptist as I was, a lot of the Baptist experiences I had were, were something like this. Um, we believe in, if you're Baptist here, please don't, we're still Baptist, at least today. We may get kicked out because um, 
we call Kathy children's pastor. We may get kicked out, but we're still, we're still in for right now. Um, so um, anyway, I'm sure this is being broadcast to the world. Um, where, where was I? Oh, I was talking about uh, the person working the Holy Spirit. We, we were, I honestly, we were just told to, um, yes, there's the Spirit of God who's holy. And yes, he's in the Bible, but don't go too close because if you do, you'll turn into one of them people. One of them. You'll go into the deep end. You'll fall off and become this. And, you know, so we were so scared of the deep end, we never even got in the pool. You know what I mean? So as Baptists, we really, it was really Father, Son, and Holy Scripture. It wasn't Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That was our trinity, so to speak. So I never had any encounter with the personal work of the Holy Spirit, really. And so over those next couple of years, God brought people across my path, please hear me in all grace, who were, um, who could show me the person and work of the Holy Spirit in a non-weird way. Honestly, all the spirit-filled people I knew up until that time were so weird, I couldn't hang. Uh, let's pretend that I'm a normal person. Um, just go with me in this argument for just one second. At least in my mirror, I thought I was normal. Uh, and most of the people that were spirit-filled, uh, they just spoke in a different key. Uh, you know, real high-pitched voice, like, I don't know, B-sharp or something, and... Um, they added vowels at the end of their words uh, uh, kind of thing when they talked. And so I, I just couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't hang with, with them. And it was just, they had no idea what sports were, were, they had no sports were um, kind of thing. So, but God brought some people across my, across my path that were, that loved God, were filled with the spirit. And he was just gracious to me. The people he brought. And I remember one guy just said, hey, have you ever read the book of Acts? I'm like, yes, I've read the book of Acts. I tell you what, just go read the book of Acts and underline everything about the church and the Holy Spirit. Just look at it. I came away with this realization that I was believing a lie. And the lie was this, God, through the power of the Holy Spirit and the grace of Jesus Christ, saved me. And now, the rest was up to me. The rest was like, okay, now get out there and he, you're saved, you're going to heaven rather than hell, but the rest is up to you. Live the Christian life in your own strength, your own ability, your own might to the best of your ability. And I realized that was a lie. That God had placed his very presence in the person of the Holy Spirit. People, I, I, I can't tell you how much has changed my life. To realize when I came to the end of my natural rope and realized that God had more for me than that. And I could let go of the rope of me and be filled with his presence and empowered by his presence, it's at that moment I started to experience what the Christian life was all about. So I remember a night where a guy prayed for me. Uh, I think he used the term baptism of the Holy Spirit. I, and again, I really don't care. I'm going to use these, show you these terms in a minute. 
it changed my life. It really, it radically changed my life. So the question was, what happened? How do I describe that night when the guy prayed for me? What happened to me? Now, I'll tell you this. I did not speak in tongues. I can't say that I cried or manifested. I definitely didn't fall down. Uh, I wasn't slain in the spirit. I, none of those things. But it was radically moving to me. And I think the church over the years has struggled to try and define what that is, what that moment is. And so we use terms like baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, and by the way, baptism of the Holy Spirit is only used seven times in the whole New Testament. Six times it's a comparison between the baptism of John with the baptism of Jesus. John came to baptize with water, but you'll be baptized with the Spirit as a result of being in Jesus. Sometimes it says the Holy Spirit and fire. Six of the seven times, that's the term used. The seventh time is in Corinthians where he says, for we were all baptized by one Spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to, to drink. So the comparison to the baptism of John versus the baptism of Jesus and this passage in Corinthians that talks about we were all baptized in one spirit doesn't indicate to me the subsequent experience of being baptized in the spirit, that we're all baptized in the spirit or we wouldn't be able to call Jesus Lord. But again, I understand the, the terminology and I'm not offended by it in any way. Uh, uh, another term that's used a lot about for what happened to me that night is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I was anointed by the Spirit. Uh, John says this, but you have an anointing from the Holy One or the Holy Spirit, and all of you know the truth. Another term that's used, and, and partially we use um, this term in our name, is the fullness of the Holy Spirit. It says in Ephesians, do not be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. The fullness of the Holy Spirit is talked about in other places. By the way, this passage in Ephesians literally says this, don't get drunk with wine, but be being filled with the Spirit of God. It's a constant activity in our lives. The term we generally use around here is this, the release of the Holy Spirit, which, by the way, isn't used in the Bible at all. <laughs> but uh, it's a phrase that's coined was coined by Watchman Nee uh, in uh, Normal Christian Life and other writings to talk about the release of the power of the Spirit in our lives. I like the term because it lines more with what I believe theologically, that when I come to know Jesus, the Spirit of God, I can't call on Jesus apart from the Spirit of God. I received one baptism, one anointing when the Spirit of God, when I received when I received Jesus. And so problem is I had no idea who or what I'd received when I got it. I always use this illustration about giving someone a gift or a present um, and they go and just never unwrap the present. They just throw it in their closet. They leave it in their closet. Three, four, five, 10, 20 years later, they're cleaning out their closet. They find this wrapped gift. They open the gift and they say, oh, look at what I just got. Look at this. Hey, honey, come look at this gift I just got. Well, the question is, when, when did you receive the gift? That gift. Well, you received it when I gave it to you. Now, you didn't open it. You didn't appropriate it. You never released it in your life. And that's what happens to a lot, lot 
lot of Christians, they go through life never understanding that the very power and presence of God has been given them in the person of the Holy Spirit. You know, for some of you, you should stand up and shout hallelujah. I, 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 this, is, this message freed me from a life of trying to live the Christian life out of my own strength to leaning into the presence of God who indwelt me. Because I was so performance-oriented that it was just stifling to me to try and live the Christian life. And some of you are there today. Some of you in this room today are, are just like, I am... I'm, I'm never going to abandon God. I'm never going to give up on him. I'm, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. But man, the weight of trying to do this on my own is just unbearable. And you know what? You're right. It is unbearable. And not only that, but you shouldn't even be trying to bear it. Because God said, I'm saving you. I'm redeeming you. I'm sanctifying you. And I'm empowering you by my presence to live the Christian life. And it should, again, it should be so exciting to us to say, yes, God, empower me and fill me. If some of you today, I know it's Father's Day, but just hang with me for a couple of minutes more. Because dads, this could be the most important message you get to how to be a great husband and dad. To say, you know what, I am not very good at this. But God is a good, good father. And he's put his powerful, powerful spirit in me to empower me to live the Christian life. Otherwise, I'm a failure. The release of the power of the Holy Spirit in my life really changed me. And here's a phrase that's been used throughout the history of the church, which I think encompasses all these phrases, is this. One baptism, many anointings, constant filling. So I have one baptism. I've been baptized with the Holy Spirit when I came to know Jesus. And he's going to anoint me for various tasks and his power will be released to do different things. But I need to constantly be being filled with the Holy Spirit. All of those truths to me are seen in the New Testament. Uh, otherwise, why would Paul say, don't be drunk with wine, but be being filled with the Holy Spirit? If all I needed was that first anointing of the Holy Spirit and filling of the Holy Spirit, baptism of the Holy Spirit... But instead, it's a constant walk for me every moment of every day where I should say, Spirit of God, fill me up afresh and anew. I leaked a little bit yesterday, and so I need, I need more of you in my life. What does this have to do with the person work of the Holy Spirit? Well, it's this. The Holy Spirit, I believe, is the one who and gifts us, empowers us. That gifting, that spiritual gifting, that gift of grace that um, we have, that pneumaticon, it's even in there, spiritual gift. Uh, it's, he's the one through whom the gifts flow and operate. And the question that a lot of people have is this, and I'm going to use two terms um, about spiritual gifts. There's the view that spiritual gifts are constituted and the other one is situational. So, for instance, if I say to Chris, Chris, I believe your primary spiritual gift is that of uh, discernment of spirits, right? That's constituted. It means he has that spiritual gift. 
But let's say that Chris goes out tomorrow and he's somewhere and um, um, someone is sick and he, he, he needs to pray for them to be healed. Now, Chris could say, you know what? It's not really my gift. I'm a discerner of spirits. I discern you need healing. <laughs> so I discern that you got the spirit of sickness on you. So I got to go find somebody with the gift of healing now to pray for you. Um, to me, what God does is I do think we all operate within a primary gift or gift mix. But then at any moment of any day, we can be anointed by the power of the Spirit to do what he needs at that moment. Do I need to pray for somebody to be healed? Okay, it's me. I'm going to pray for him. Do I need to share Jesus with somebody? I'm going to pray. I'm going to share Jesus with them. I don't have to go look for an evangelist. Uh, maybe God gives a prophetic word to me for a person at that moment. Maybe I do walk in the uh, spirit, spiritual gift of discernment or interpretation of tongues or even a tongue. I, I don't know. But my answer to this is yes. We Both of these are, are moving at the same time and we need to be walking in them. Again, here's my point for this day. I want you to see kind of a biblical overview. But if you could hear me say one thing today, it's this. Are you walking, baptized, anointed, filled, released in the power of the Spirit to operate in your life. In every other way, if you don't walk in this grace, your Christian life will never achieve the destiny for which God redeemed you and he has for you. And we have at times, in evangelical circles, avoided this because we're so afraid of the deep end. I want to say, look, if you just get on the steps for today of the pool, at least get on the steps. Let your feet touch the water of the power of the Spirit who infills your life. You may wonder why we, at water baptism, we anoint people with oil. It's this, we want no gap between when you come to know Jesus and are baptized with you walking in the power and filling of the Holy Spirit. There is no excuse that I had to wait till my 20s. Now, maybe God needed that time to do some stuff in my life, but part of it was nobody ever told me. And I was raised in a good church with a great dad who later came to experience this for himself as well. Um, so, we, our children's ministry, our preschool ministry, they're taught, we teach our children about the empowerment and presence of the Spirit of God. From the, from the, it's about come to know Jesus as the one who rules your life and forgives you your sins and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because as we say around here, there is no such thing as a junior Holy Spirit. There's only one Holy Spirit. You know, I got a teeny Holy Spirit um, that they get, and they get a lesser Holy Spirit. No, they get the Spirit of God indwelling them. And we've seen some of the greatest miracles happen by our children praying in faith by the power of the Holy Spirit. Praise God for Kathy, who teaches our kids this. 
from the day. They're, they're not just down there playing games. They have times where they, they do a spotlight on kids and they put them in a chair. They pray for them and they ask the rest of the kids, what have you heard from God about this child? Or they test, they pray for each other. They prophesy. You may be, whoa, 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 wait a minute. That's a little, now you are in the deep end. <laughs> really? I don't think so. Wouldn't you rather your kids be raised in that than coming out and play Bible bingo or something? Sorry, I'm getting ugly, but <laughs> it'd be my preference. How does this work for us? Here, I, I just want you to think about these steps. You may not totally agree with me theologically in every point that I've made today, but I pray that in something God has poked you or stirred you or the Spirit of God has drawn you. How do I get there? Let's say I want to be there. Well, I think there's a confession. Hey, God, I'm, I'm not there. I want to be there. I want to consecrate myself. I want to get rid of the stuff that defiles me as Hezekiah is praying. And instead, I want to be, I want to be in your presence. Confession is not just about sin. Confession is agreement with God. Yes, this is true. I'm a sinner. God, you're holy. God, you empower. God, you infill. God, you're there. God, I believe. Be willing to put to death to self. You know, part of the reason a lot of us don't walk in this is because we're so stinking self-centered. We still... I think this is part of my problem. I thought I was very smart and I was very disciplined, which I am. But those were not the points. The, I know, I'm just kidding, sort of. But um, that's what I thought about. That's what I thought about myself. I can do this. No, no, no. I can handle this. I just have to work harder. I have to read the Bible more. I have to go to church more. I have to give more. I have to tithe more. I have to do more. It came when I said, God, I can't do anymore. I, can't, I, I just can't. I'm going to implode or explode. If anyone would come after me, he must, what? Deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Put to death yourself on a daily basis and then come and drink of the river of life what do you have to admit to God God I'm wonderful you are so lucky to have me really the whole kingdom is more fortunate because I'm in it no no you what you have to offer to God is this God I'm thirsty and it, it was only when I came to the place where I said, I am dying of thirst, that I think that God actually said, okay, now, now. Jesus goes on and says, receive in faith. If you're thirsty, come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, and Adam, in faith, we have to believe in Jesus. We have to, in faith, receive the work of the Holy Spirit so that we can have, allow his presence to have access in our lives so that streams of living water will flow. Not stagnant. Streams of living water will flow from within us. And listen, I'm not making this up. 
It even tells me right there, by this he meant the Spirit. And then we continue with it. Be being filled with the Holy Spirit, according to Ephesians. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, wherever you are on the spectrum this morning, here's what I'm asking. Craig, if you and the team could come back up. If, um, I'm asking you, if you want to flow with more of the Spirit. Maybe you're here today. I know a couple of weeks ago, we had a time where on a Pentecost Sunday where you could be filled with the Spirit, empowered with the Spirit. I, I, here's what I want you to do today. If you need more of the Spirit, maybe you've been filled in the past, but you know you're, you've leaked and you need more of His power in your life, and you would just want me to pray for you, this is you before God saying, God, fill me up afresh and anew today. Just stand, and I'm going to pray for you. This is not a hard sell altar call. Just stand where you are, and I'm going to pray for you. Just kind of hold out your hands before the Lord. In your own way, agree with God that he wants his power and presence in your life. He wants to fill you up afresh and anew. Just agree with him. This is his plan. This is his purpose. By the way, you're free to speak out loud. You can do it in your head, or you can say what I'm at. You, you can just speak it if you want. Put to death the self. In other words, just say, God, forgive me for where I've just held on to things, or I think I've got this figured out, or I'm so special, or I'm getting in the way, or I'm doing this myself. Just take a moment and say, God, put a stake in that. Now just admit your thirst before him. Just say, God, I am so thirsty for your presence. If any among you is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Believe in Jesus. Believe in the power of the Spirit, as the Scripture has said. Receive in faith. Just let the access of His presence flow through you so that streams of living water. Oh, church, just receive the Spirit of life and water in your lives. know that as you go from this place here you get the opportunity to be constantly being filled with his power and his presence everyone stand if you would before we leave this today on this Father's Day let's just worship him for a minute the spirit of the Lord is here Spirit of the Lord is in you. Just breathe in his presence today.